Welcome to Marsha's Plate. This is an interview episode where we talk to friends, family, other community members, and anybody else we want to talk to. <laughs> hey brother, hey brother, hey sister, hey sister, hey sibling, how are you? Hey brother, hey brother, hey sister, hey sister, hey sibling, how are you? How you been doing? Just checking in today. So I'm excited about this conversation because I, you know, have been watching you. I, I got introduced to you on t- your face. You know, you've been a supporter of mine. So mm-hmm. I, I know I've been seeing your name, but it being introduced to your face through TikTok. And yes. so I was like, oh, he's talking about, um, you know, shit that I like talking about. So I followed and I started to um, just listen and and it, it just it just has been great so far. And so I was like, well, let me invite them on here and we'll we'll kind of, you know, we'll just explore and kiki like we normal kiki. So I want to introduce yes. to everybody, uh, Darcel Andre, tell the people where you are from. Yes. Um, yes, I'm Darcel Andre. Uh, my pronouns are he, him. And I'm from San Antonio, Texas, baby. Come on. Texas, baby. <laughs> yes, South, the South, born and raised. Both my parents are from the country. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I have a lot of, I, I'm, I'm South all day long. And so mm-hmm. I will unintentionally sound like I am a reverend, but that's just how <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> It's the Southerness. <laughs> that's just a part of me. So, yeah. So tell me about your family and like, you know, the family unit, who was loving on you growing up, um, yeah. how many siblings, your your grandma, who, who is your people? Yeah. So um, I was fortunate enough. I, I say I had a, a traditional and non-traditional family in the sense that I had both my parents. Um, both my parents were great. I don't have no qualms with my parents. My father was an older man. Like when I was born, he was like 50. (laughs) Mm. Okay. And not only that, he also had um, illnesses. So he had um, like COPD, congestive heart failure and all of that. So I had a different childhood experience with my dad than most black boys would have. Right. So the idea of, you know, like really cliche ass shit, like, you know, like throwing a ball, wrestling outside. Like <laughs> my dad was not going to be doing all of that. Honey, I'm old. Sit your yeah. ass down. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and sit your ass down. Right. We had a little bit of that, but that was definitely not the primary, the primary thing. But I, I had the privilege of, you see, my father, he was um, adopted and his story is really like beautifully tragic in many ways, but because he was adopted and he was in search for his mother, um, he traveled different places and had to kind of acquiesce to different trades and different types of people and different things. So I had a black Southern dad who knew how to braid hair, do sew-ins, uh, <laughs> like because he lived in California, you know, and had to work in that area. Um, He knew how to um, uh, sew, um, cook, decorate like he 
you know, he was a he was a straight man, but that was a that was very queer of him <laughs> to be able mm-hmm. to function and do all these things in his illness. Him and my mother really, my mother always worked, right? She's a she's a nurse. And so she always worked. But him and his illness, he really became a stay-at-home dad. So he was a stay-at-home dad most of my life. So I got a chance to How did you meet your mom? Yeah. He met my mom. Oh, so it's so funny that that you bring this up because um this was a subject of conversation just uh, not too long ago. Um the way that when he first saw my mom, my mom was throwing hands. <laughs> oh, come on, my kind of girl. <laughs> he, first, he first saw my mother throwing hands, <laughs> scrapping. And they was like, oh, my God, that girl's a fighter. <laughs> that girl can be on the team. <laughs> and so um, he uh, then ran back into her, I think, at like a friend's party or whatever. And they started talking and and things like that. And it really just bloomed from there. Uh, But what's interesting about their story is is the similarity. Like both of them were kind of rejected teenagers. And uh, when they came together, they were able to sort of lean on each other's insecurities and kind of weather the storm through. And because it was kind of, I feel like trauma bonding. I think that they loved each other, but I don't believe they were truly in love with each other, Mm. but they were there. They were present. They understood that we both want a family. Um, We both love each other. And, you know, we know that we deserve this. And so because we know that we deserve this, we're going to make it work and you're going to be my ace and I'm going to be your ace. And so that's that's beautiful. And then so they come together Mm -hmm. and she gets pregnant and Uh, have are you where are you in the line? I'm the baby. Okay. (laughs) I'm the baby. Um, so I have two other siblings from their union, but my dad was previously married before he met her. And so he had like four, four, four children. So I have a total, well, I think four or five women. I have a, to- it's a total of eight of us, three that I grew up with and I'm the baby. As you get older, how, where are you positioning yourself in the family in regards to relationship with mom, relationship with dad, brother, da, 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 da. How are they molding you? Give me some context on um, that. Both of my parents were very, because of the life that they lived, they, my mother is still alive. My father transitioned uh, in 2016. So, so he's, she's transitioned, but they were both very independent thinkers. And so they raised me to be very independent. And so because of that, there was like, of course, like influences, like what you're supposed to do, you know, some of the, like as a man, for instance, right, this is what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to be. But they also knew that they raised a child that was not going to do whatever the fuck that anybody just said that they was going to do. And so I tend, I, I tended to be the one that was like, mm. and I ha- I was a baby. So I really had the opportunity to have the audacity. So <laughs> I was like, like most babies do like, like <laughs> period. 
I was like, what y'all going to do? Like, I'm the baby. I can say this. But um, what was interesting to me was that, you see, even my siblings that I grew up with, we're seven years apart. So I have a sister um, that's older than me, and then I have my, my brother. And so my brother is like 14 years older than me. <laughs> and, and that we, you know, we're in the same household. And um, I went to a private school. I'm an all-black private school, literally from kindergarten to, um, what is that, to sixth grade. And so um, I had got a deep Christian education, <laughs> which I was tired of and was fighting back and questioning. Um, but it's interesting because even because I went to that school, none of my other siblings went to private school. None of my other siblings were really interested in like religion or the church and so i became truly the spiritual person in my family so a lot of people would listen to me and then a lot of my spiritual abilities and things started to front when i was a child and so there was a respect for me that they had because i would come out the root works with some stuff that i should know <laughs> and so they would be like okay, well, maybe we need to listen to him. And um, one of the pivotal moments, I think I was like 11 or 12, my sister got really sick. She caught like some foreign flu working at like Church's Chicken or something like that. Some crazy, it was, it's some crazy shit. Like, it's like, girl, they was just trying to take you out of here because there's no, at Church's Chicken. <laughs> um, and so, and she was in the hospital and she like lost all this weight and she, um, like coded like five times. And so the first time she passed, everybody was distraught. We were all crying, you know, all that. And then a piece hit me and I was like, oh, well, you know, she's not going to die. So it, it doesn't matter. And they brought her back and she coded four other times. And so everybody kept looking at me and how I would respond to it. And I was like, I just knew in my 11 year old self that she was not going to, she's not going to pass. And she did, you know? And so I kind of, because of those things and because I was always someone that was in search of knowledge and I, they had a respect for my knowing, um, I really became a very like, I think a cherished person in the family, which pissed all my older siblings off, mm -hmm. but also, <laughs> but also it just was what it was. And so, I I kind of had a lot of pressure on me to be like, I'm the Ian LeVanzan of the family, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, even at my age. And so even my older siblings would be cutting a rug, acting a fool. And I would always be the one to come up and be like, what's going on here? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you know, this is wrong. You know, you need to do this. And then I would be correct in what it was that I was saying. So that was the underbite. So. Um, I just spent a lot of time because that was the nature and because my father was older, he was the one that really molded me because he was the one that was at home most of the time. And because he didn't do the traditional father things, um, all of our time was conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, it was wisdom. It was him teaching me um, spiritual concepts and stuff from his adopted grandmother who was like um, West African and then like Native American, like, or rather indigenous. Um, and so teaching me and talking to me about those things. So 
I was molded by the old school cat. He was an entrepreneur, um, many businesses. <laughs> um, he was the first black man to open up a nightclub in downtown San Antonio. Dressed to the nines, he was also a musician. So my musical talents and stuff came in. Yeah, because your ass can sing too. <laughs> That's another, you know, that also attracts me. I love yeah. a motherfucker who can vote. You know. <laughs> That's my sickness. <laughs> Listen, yes. And so he was a he was a Latin jazz um trumpeteer. So he played the trumpet, he played the saxophone. And so I just had a very vintage, colorful upbringing. What I love about moving to Texas is, you know, really just moving anywhere. Because, you know, I've lived in nothing but conservative states. So I've lived in Indiana, right. Mississippi, Texas. And mm-hmm. so what, what happens when you live in these conservative places? And also I live in places, I've lived in places where the population of Black people vary drastically. So when we think about Indiana and think about Mississippi, you know, Indiana has a small um, percentage of Black folks, and Mississippi has one of the highest, if not the highest, percentage of Black folks in the state. Mm-hmm. So, and most Southern states have that kind of um, that kind of uniqueness to them that they they have that kind of um, you know high percentage of Black folks in them, and right. so in that space coming that range of little bit of. Black folks, a lot of bit of a lot of bit of black folks. You get to learn about the nuance of black people in these various spaces, and San Antonio is one of those places where, when I when I initially when I think of San Antonio, you know, you kind of think of the high Latinx population, which is you know they do have a, a high um, a high population, but San Antonio is actually ranked one of the best financial places to live for black people when it comes to how much money they actually make compared to other places in the country, compared to other places in the state. San Antonio is really, really good place for Black people financially. Yeah. And learning about the history of Texas since I've been here, and you got to understand that, like, that you just mentioned your father and that California connection. There is a West and West going connection between Texas and I know some people was like, oh, this is a South. Oh, Texas is the West. There's kind of this contentious in, in regards <laughs> to it. It's actually both. It is queer in that sense where there is a connection to the West because of history. This was far West at some point. Right. Um, and there is a connection to California and, and Texas. And so the pipeline from Texas to California has been, is a long one. When we think about our greats like um 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 Lucy Anderson Hicks um mm-hmm. she st- got married and started her life as a woman in the 30s in Texas <laughs> and then she moved to California and became this kind of like baron of social culture having um um a, a black trans woman having um having a husband and starting restaurants and being politically powerful in California, in in Encore, in California, onward or Encore, I can't remember exactly what it is, Honored, <laughs> California. And she started this amazing journey, a powerful journey in California. So that's just one example of that kind of connection from Texas to California, Texas to California. But also there's understand that there are so many Black people, Black history in these small towns, in these towns that you might not understand 
um, have a black history and right. that you might not associate with black people, but that we are everywhere and we are there and we have always been kind of pushing the envelope, racial envelope um, and innovation envelope when it comes to music, when it comes to race, when it comes to, you know, how we do things. And so make sure you be conscious of that history and that's how you learn it by deep diving into that history. You know, because I live here, I am not, um, it, it was, it's difficult for me to, to just outwardly make those comparisons. But one thing that shocked me is like, we have like the largest Martin Luther King March like, in the country. And I was like, you know mm-hmm. what? We are black as fuck here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Even with my, my dad, like he was also Spanish speaking. He spoke Spanish. He learned it, you know, growing up. Um, and so I just had a very, very, like I said, it was real colorful and also, I have a sort of privilege when it comes to looking at um, gender roles and gender expressions, because like I said, my father, you know, this man was born in like 1946. Okay. So he was a very old school man who was in a non-traditional position as a man. Right. Mm -hmm. And, And even, even in his own uncomfortability, of having to uh, not being able to be the breadwinner and things of that nature. But I was like, I witnessed a a black man, a Southern older black man do things that is traditionally referred to as, you know, what a woman would do. And I did not lose respect for my dad as my father with my mother, you know, that was, and that was still my mom, even though she was, working and doing more of that. And so I immediately emerged, like, especially out of like my middle school years and high school, like, what the hell is wrong with y'all? <laughs> like, y'all is stressed out. This does not have to be like this. I mean, I've I've witnessed it. So it really helped to inform, you know, my consciousness as it pertains to like gender roles and gender identities and how I could still show up and express as a black man. Oh my God, I want to thank all of our new patrons this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yay, 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 yay. So, not only are you helping to sustain this particular podcast, you know, I also donate to other podcasts, I donate to other organizations. I have my finger on the post of the community and i know a lot of grassroots organizations that are doing great work out here so you're not only helping to sustain us you're helping to sustain other people in a community because i put my money where my mouth is you know that's just the kind of bitch i am community is fuck (laughs) so thank you i really really appreciate you and if you have not become a patron why have you not? You can donate as low as a dollar a month. It doesn't matter. Anything helps. Please. Do I have to play Sarah McLaughlin and show you puppies? Like, what do I have to do? Do I have to do resort to what the white people do to get you to give them money? <laughs> All righty. Anyway, thank y'all. And the Patreon and PayPal link is at the bottom. Back to the show. So that leads me into the questions about your gender journey. Like you're yeah. giving me the foundation, but you know, you still, you said you're the if Jan Le Van Zandt of the community <laughs> and this of your, of your, um, 
of your family. How does that give you room to grow and make mistakes? And, you know, if people are looking at you in that kind of way, how how did you when it comes to your gender journey, when it comes to your um, who you are as a person? Because, you know, yes, you come. Some children come with um wisdom but you they still have to have some type of room to kind of make mistakes and learn from their mistakes and grow in their in their own identity so tell me about that part of you like your gender journey your journey to become the adult that we see today oh child um so like i was never really concerned with um like what my boyhood or, or, or that I was never really concerned with that because I kind of like, even like sports, I played all the sports. I did all the things I fit in all of those spaces. I knew the language I knew to communicate with it. But I, again, I grew up in a space where I was allowed to be in the house with the women and then go out and play football. <laughs> like I was allowed to have that sort of, dichotomy without like uh without like that homophobic like that type of pressure right and so i i think that as it pertains to like my my gender identity and this is something i said oh i said i would love to talk to diamond about this <laughs> i i've realized that i've had the privilege even like within my, my sexuality i've long identified as bisexual um and so this has always put me in the i'm always in the middle of something diamond Okay, I'm in the middle. Okay, because because of like growing up like with with men and traditionally masculine men and in football and in those spaces, my queerness was never clocked because I was the smart kid. I was the smart kid and the religious kid. So men witnessed me as a, or rather saw me as um, um, an asset. They're like, nah, we can't. This the smart kid. <laughs> like he got the education, and and I was a uh, kind of like the hope. I was always the hope in those spaces, mm. and so because of that, like it was like I I was able to hear the truth from like the women or the queer perspective and things like that, but still be straight passing enough <laughs> to be in those spaces and to inject like, oh no, this is what this actually is, or have y'all thought about this? So it was like, a, it has been like an activism for me. And even when we talk about like gender identity presently, because of like, even how I express and show up, there's many people who are like, uh, it's giving very, they, them <laughs> energy, you know? And for me, I just don't, I don't feel that need or that urgency to, I just don't, I don't feel like, I need to lean into that, to that description, but I don't mind if people refer to me as they or them because of that feeling they get from me, but because it doesn't bother me, me identifying as he, him gives me privilege and access to spaces, not to a point to dominate, but to insert education and knowledge. Like I could be in a space of black men and be regarded as a black man, a black man, and they would listen to my queer perspective. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, but I can't, I, yeah, go ahead. But also think about why queer is a nuanced, um, is, the, is a nuanced terminology, is queer isn't just about sexuality. Queer right. isn't just about identity. Queer isn't just a, just about that. The, the whole, the, why, 
kind of we are shifting to using queer sometimes and not just saying gay or um or or those kind of really specific sexuality markers um or terminology and those specific identity markers is because queer kind of encompasses a little more it encompasses a little more of that um blanket other just different just 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 new you can i feel like and we talked about this um if you listen to my series my seed and um seed empowerment um series with the women um we talked about this with jay janicia um from um t with queen and jay jay is a cishet person like that woman and but and identifies with being a woman and but there is a queerness to her and it's not in her sexuality it is mm. how she navigates the world there is some nuance but she still identifies as a woman and i was i was explaining to her the power of that is that everybody not just trans people not just cisgender people but everybody who sees you living in your truth as this type of woman, it informs them that they can be some other type of woman, some queer type of woman without it being their sexuality, without it being uh, all of these kind of um, gender identity things. It can, it can be like you are, like I know when I when I transitioned, I my idea of a woman was this hyper femme that was specifically informed by the my growing up as a church kid specifically for him there's there's a there's a class aspect to it there is a respectability yeah. politics aspect to it i yeah. know where it comes from because i've examined myself enough to know that this is why i think diane carroll is the shit this is why <laughs> i think you know uh, you, a certain why i still have an affinity for the clark sisters why i still have an affinity for a certain type of oprah uh, so these are some of my favorite women in the world, and there's a reason for that. Yeah. And, and so because of that, I when I when I transitioned, there was a particular type of girl, and 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 not just that, uh, you know, that hypersexuality when it comes to little Kim, when it comes to those, you know, these kind of iconic femme fatales that I was attracted to that too. So when I transitioned, of course, my my womanhood is gonna look like what I respect is going to yes. look like that. And so, but because of my my um, assigned male at birth, there is going to be some things that I associate with masculinity that I still enjoy. There are going to be some things that I associate with being a a boy or being a man or da 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 that I still like. I and so I there was this tension in my um in my in my womanhood on how to nuance that thing, how to mm -hmm. nuance that womanhood in a way and be comfortable with it with myself. And seeing somebody like Jay or seeing somebody like you, seeing somebody that is okay with their with their with the gender that they were assigned at birth but okay with also nuancing that and also okay with also being different and saying look we are, we may not be going as far as boom I'm switching my gender but I am shifting the narrative of 
of expanding the narrative of what a man could look like and what a man could be or what a woman could look like and what a woman could be. And that overlap in those things and where I, where I sit may not be exactly in the middle. It may not be exactly over here. It may not be exactly over here, but I, you have, you have the freedom in your own gender expression to be able to do that and define your manhood by yourself. And I think that that is powerful as a being. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Diamond. So let me just highlight all of that and copy that to my bio. Uh, <laughs> but you're so correct that that freedom of that self-definition. Right. And and I think that. Oh, my gosh. And even like I said, I think that's where like my father plays such a big role, because this was some stuff like, you know, yeah, you're the traditional again, the traditional man set up. Right. If that if that's what you want to call it. But you're in here braiding my sister's hair down, <laughs> doing her sewing. <laughs> like, yeah. And I was just like, wow. And so he really was, you know, uh, a, a queer figure for me because I was like, I, I didn't even and I didn't. But I think that was the, the thing. He was able to do that. And I didn't even though I, I peeped in, I was like, wow, that's that's interesting. I love it. I thought it was great. I thought it made him a multifaceted person, which it did. But I didn't question who he was. It didn't have a power shift. It didn't mean anything other than this is my father and this is all the parts that make him him. That's it. <laughs> you know, and I wish that there were a lot of um uh, there, there were men who were able, well, more men who were able to receive that messaging and understand that you can show up and you can express, you know, and still be who it is that you are. And that doesn't mean anything other than that. I just brought up the Clark sisters and one of my, your videos that, um, that I thought was really, really powerful. You were talking about um, Bishop C.H. Mason, um, mm -hmm. the founder of the Kojic um, denomination, you know, basically uh, of religion, who is, was not, was a common practicing conjurer. Yes. And so... And so you, you you had a video explaining that kind of connection between these early founders of religion and, you know, how this was a part of their practice. That's why we see the laying of hands and putting the oil on the forehead and, you know, and how it has you know, kind of still manifested as a see-through line, a, a through line um, in the religion right now. So can you uh, can you kind of go explain to the people um, about Bishop C.H. Mason and, you know, that connection. Why am I bringing that up? Yeah, well, you know, Bishop C.H. Mason, absolutely. Um, the the founder of uh, the Church of God in Christ. Um, he, he, like one, all of those early Black churches, they was fresh from Africa. <laughs> They was fresh from their roots and fresh from their traditions, from their African traditions. Bishop C.H. Mason's grandmother um, was an African spiritualist. And so a lot of the things that that he learned as it pertains to 
healing and herbalism and creating the anointing oil and everything like that, even the, the process of taking oil and being able to uh, consecrate it and fill that with a, a spirit or uh, a holy ghost like that's so african <laughs> african spirituality that um you know it's outrageous and there's images blatant images of him holding tools that if you are a hoodoo practitioner like myself you know what that you is you know what this is yeah <laughs> you know what this is but you let the people tell it they would say uh cuz you know of course i got backlash uh pointing that out they would say, oh, he will use those in his demonstrations. The problem is not that he would use it in the uh, demonstration. Uh, the, the point is that he had these things. <laughs> he had these tools. And so the fact that he had them and that he knew how to make them and create them, everybody who's a hoodoo practitioner, especially who was a hoodoo practitioner elder, they recognize that, they peep that, and they see what he's doing. <laughs> but I think what happens, Diamond, is that um, the white lens on what spirituality is supposed to be and is not supposed to be um, infects us and blinds us to seeing shit that is like blatantly in our face. We either don't see it at all or we dumb it down to something like, mm -hmm. you know, just like, oh, that's just superstition. But you still eat them collard greens. <laughs> and black eyed peas on the first and year. Peas. Yeah, you still do that. You know, oh, yeah, that's just that. That's, you know, but but you still, there's certain things that you still do. And so when we get into the church, there's everything in the black church, specifically the black church from shouting, catching the Holy Ghost and it overtaking you and you falling out. And the people surrounding you, we know we, we connect that to ring shouts. Mm -hmm. But if you are um, familiar with African traditional religions like Vudun, it like um, Ifa, Isheshe, uh, Ifa Lukumi, you will see the same thing happening. The whole church experience is African traditional religion. <laughs> you Come into the service. The first thing you do, you're mute, you're singing. It's praise and worship. And you call down the spirit to reign and fall amongst the people. That's conjure. <laughs> you are conjuring the spirit to fall amongst the people and do certain things and essentially possess them. Because through the spirit entering the body, um, healing, revelation, all of this stuff can happen. But they will have all of this uh, communion where y'all are drinking this that represents blood <laughs> and flesh <laughs> and flesh. And everyone has to eat it, wear certain things, say it all together. And y'all don't call that witchcraft. <laughs> but you look at an African traditional religion or you look at a hoodoo practitioner who is doing the same thing, but not calling it that. That's demonic. That's you're going to hell and everything like that. And, and, under, and understanding that that is something just as nuanced as we get about our history. You can't yeah. talk to a, a proud black person and they and you talk to them about um, our culture and they not understand immediately that 
our culture was diluted or hidden and and da 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 da. You have to see that as clear, just as you see that as clearly when it comes to our music, when it comes to our hair, when it comes to our beauty, when it comes to um, other aspects of our culture. You have to see that nuance as well when it comes to our religious practices too. You have right. to understand that just like in Santeria and and mm-hmm. and things in in the Caribbean and how it was hid behind Catholicism, that same type of hiding and that same type of um underbelly of ba- how these tradition came to be is the same thing was happening on the mainland in 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 America. And so understand that that it, I know the pushback can be, oh, that's different. That it, It's only different to you because you have been taught to demonize it. Yes. That's just what it is. And nobody is trying to, I know me, when I talk about this shit, I'm not trying to convince you to practice any kind of spirituality. I'm just trying to give you the history and the connection of, so you cannot be, so you can be more educated about it and more, um, your 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 eyes are open, like you just mentioned, as far as blindness to these things. Your eyes are open to, oh, this is what Diamond and Darcel be talking about when I'm seeing these things in my own practices. There are things that it come from. There's there's a yes. place. There's a history of it. A history of it being suppressed, and we are re- now in the age of Aquarius. We are now yes. re. Um, we are seeing it pop back up. Yeah, facts, and and there's things that you. As long as you are black, period, you're not going to be able to escape from hoodoo practice. I don't care what you say. You've all done it. Everybody's done it because hoodoo is not just spiritual. It's also medicinal. So the fact that we all have had a hot toddy, we've all had a grandmother, an aunt, a grandfather, whatever, that could get some herbs, put it in a pot make something, make a salve or something like that and rub it on you. And the key thing here is that the white folks did not teach them this. (laughs) They didn't teach them this. So where are they getting these healings, right? You have a bad dream. They know what to put. They say, oh yeah, you got to put this in in your your pillow at night or or you got to clean your, your, your bed frame. You know, you have to do these certain things because it, it is, it's not something either to be ashamed of. It's not something that you can really escape from because we've just taken our practices, our African traditional practices and embedded them in what it is that we do. Like even when we talk about, cause what's been a hot button topic um, has been like ancestors and ancestor veneration. And so y'all talking about your ancestors, calling y'all ancestors is demonic. Y'all have ancestor altars, but what is a grave? <laughs> you what is a funeral you <laughs> you show up to the funeral you plan the funeral y'all wear the dead person's favorite color you sing their favorite song you do everything that they want to do you have these people sing these people speak there is a ritual to how the body is laid to rest everyone has to exit the the the, the church ceremoniously it's a ritual. Every every anniversary. So le- that's a ritual in itself. But at yeah. every anniversary of this person dying, you're going to their grave with a picture on their grave. <laughs> you see their face, their name, and you're yes. bringing flowers to honor them. You are you are reverencing them. You are crying. You are praying to them and speaking to them. And uh, you are literally venerating your ancestor. Is literally what you're doing. 
And the devil ain't come up and grab your ankle yet. Yet. (laughs) (laughs) If you're doing something every year to honor your person that passed away, you are venerating your ancestors. That is simply what it is. That's it. No, you're not taking no, because that's not what happens. That's not what we do. You're not taking no chicken and slicing his throat and and pouring it all over, da-da-da-da. That's not your thing, but you're doing something else. Yes, you are. You are venerating your ancestors. And you have to address that internalized dissonance, that internalized racism. You have to address that. That makes you not see any problem with all of these men, as long as they have Christian attached to it in these big old, really decorative robes, <laughs> huge hat, walking in with scepters and stuff, doing these partic- these rituals and these ceremonies, and all of this stuff is going on here, and you don't see nothing wrong with that. But as soon as it is something um, that is not that, that is of your people, you're like, get somebody else to do it. Y'all demonic, y'all going to hell. All of that stuff. And so it, it's 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 outrageous. And the thing is, is that you are tricking yourself. You're fooling yourself. Mm-hmm. We've all had a mama or a grandma who had dreams about fish. We've all had all of these gifts and these things that show up in your family that you can't deny that grandma said she had a dream that this was going to happen. And it did. <laughs> you or you or, or you. you or your yeah. intuition, your intuition. Uh, coming into play when you're making decisions and it was the right decision and you don't know how you got there. You don't know how mm, something feels uncomfortable about this situation. Let me get up out of here and then honey, some motherfucker, it it was a shootout at that club before, right after you left or when you, when, when something happens to you and, or, and and you can't explain it, your, the power in you is coming out. Understand that is your connection to spirit. It's not just, it's not, um, and that is a gift. That is a that is a beautiful thing. And yeah. we just call it something now. You know, I can, you know, you just even though you're a Christian, you you still believe that tuition. And you're saying that it is God telling you. Yes. That whole connection is the same thing that, you know, these these religious practices that you are demonizing is saying. Like this Absolutely. is my gift. That's it. Then that's it, Darwin. I remember I had a a, a cousin of mine who is a pastor and, you know, I've been doing, I, you know, I do readings, I do all types of stuff. Right. And he saw, he, he would sit on my lives and I would see his name pop up. He would sit there for weeks. He wouldn't say anything. And then he messaged me and basically was like, the spirit of the Lord has convicted me to tell you that this is wrong. So forth and so on. Sent me this whole doctoral dissertation as to why it's demonic, the scriptures and everything. And then at the end, Diamond asked me, but you can function as a prophet at my church if you would like to. Now, <laughs> Child, if you don't get your ass out of my face, you don't get <laughs> because the truth is, is that there's not a difference, period. You are tapping into spirit. You are tapping in. You're utilizing your intuition. You are tapping into that same source. And they just would say, God told me to tell you not to go over there. You would just say, I feel like I don't need to go. I don't know why. (laughs) It's the same energy. It's the same source. And then also there is a there is a practice in sharpening your gifts. 
Yes. There is a, it's a, you get what I'm saying? Some people, it just come to you naturally and, and it, um, you know, things just happen in the moment, but there are people who recognize that it is a gift. And so now they're, they're trying to use tools to sharpen and practice their lift, their gift. It could be calorie shells. It could be tarot cards. It could be water yeah. gazing. It could be so many various tools. And you are, t- and, and as a young person, as a young practitioner, as a young person trying to sharpen these gifts, how you sharpen them can look different. Oh, I started off as, as with calories. I started off with terror. I started off with various things, um, um, mm-hmm. just different stuff. And so what you're seeing is somebody sharpening their tool and intentionally yeah. trying to make their skill, their spiritual skill better. And so yeah. what that looks like is there is going to be some trial and error. There is going to be some practice. There is going to be, um, um, you know, just them doing things different. Everything is not going to be the same with them or how you do your spiritual gifts. It's going to yeah. be different. And you got to give people that kind of grace and nuance to understand that, they, especially if they're a young practitioner, that they're going to grow and learn how to how to hone and harness their gifts. But understand that that is a practice. That is a, you know, there's some natural situations too. But if once you acknowledge that this is a gift, there is going to be a practice on sharpening your gift. Period. And, and Diamond, it is not, I mean, rather, it, it's very supremacist to believe that everybody's supposed to show up and be exactly the same. <laughs> so weird. That every practice, everyone's uh, beliefs, how someone does things, you know, it's supposed to be the same. And it's just not true. Um, it's not African. <laughs> it's not original. It's just not the case. Um, even if you take uh, African traditional religion, like, well, even separate for that, Christianity. There's all these hundreds and thousands of denominations. The Baptists do stuff differently than the Kojic. The Kojic do stuff different than the Pentecostal. The Pentecostal do stuff different than the non-denominational. But y'all all are Christian. <laughs> yeah, just like Muslims. And, just like know, Muslims. The Nation of Islam is its own kind of, this own thing in the Muslim, own sector in the Muslim. Look at Jewish. We got Hasidic Jews. We got it's so many different kind of Jewish people from different, think that think differently in regards to their own personal text. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's just one of those things that is going to be different in how we do these things is going to always be in debate. So understand that for you, uh, if you know, and your oh, I want to say this, and your skills may not be strong in this one area of your own, even your own religious practice, but it could be like, let me get, or it could be strong in this. So let's think about like root work and spirit work. Yes. You, you, you could be amazing when it comes to root work and, you know, you know, you, that's why you got a green thumb. That's why you good, you a good herbalist and you, and you, you, with these, these elements of the earth, you are amazing, but yes. child, don't nobody come to you in no dream. Child, don't <laughs> nobody come to you and speak and try to possess you. Don't nobody come do that stuff because that is not your gift. And it's okay for you not to be great in all of those things. It's okay for you have an expertise. It's okay yeah. for you to do that. It's okay for you to kind of um, not do everything. Cause I know people always try to act like, 
oh, everybody is doing. I don't do root work. I don't really, I don't do that. But spiritual work, I do that all the time because that is where I feel my most, my most connection. People come to me all the time. People come to me all the time. Well, since I can feel their presence, I'm not somebody who just sees stuff. But yeah. I'm somebody who I can literally feel somebody and and feel an energy and it, whether I'm sleeping, it's in my dreams or whether it's um, I'm just kind of out and about and I have to literally like write it down like so I can remember it because sometimes when somebody attached to me, I can't always, I, this is me sharpening my gift, I can't yeah. always understand what's happening, but it will freeze me. It will stop me in my tracks where I'm like, oh, this is an energy that I need to pay attention to. And it can bring thoughts and I got to write them down and they'll come back to me and I put shit together. So that is me. I know this is my spiritual gift, but I, I'm not really a root working bitch. I don't really, you know, there's some elements that I've learned, but that's not where my strength lies. And so understand that with you and your own personal religion, that it could be totally different than your pastor, totally different than your, um, than you know, the the old ladies that's in there that you think are powerful. Yours can be just totally different from theirs. Facts, facts, facts. And, you know, I often think I was just having this conversation um, with one of my friends who is a Christian, but he not really, but he is a Christian, <laughs> and he always uh, he always talks to me specifically on these like um, certain things that he has questions about, or he's doubtful and things of that nature. And uh, one of the things that we talked about was like witches and like witchcraft, right? And someone being referred to as a witch. And I said, yeah, well, you will find that um, they called that to everybody who had abilities and shit that they could not do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just like when it's this is pagan because it's not Christian or it's not uh -huh. them, you know. And I said, but but you, you got know, a Christmas tree in your house. That's you pagan. Gotta, <laughs> it's pagan. That part. Um, I said, you know, you may find the term "aj" um, referring to essentially the witches um, who could be um, uh, women, it could be men, or any any type of uh, uh, gender identity. Um, but they had these natural gifts, these abilities to do some supernatural ass shit. Mm -hmm. And so when we were talking about it, I said, the if we want to use that terminology, witches, then the church is full of witches and all the witches are definitely on the motherboard. Because the fact that, you know, when we di differentiate the root worker versus the quote unquote witch, the root worker, as you, you pointed out, works with the roots, working the roots, utilizes tools. The witch or the adjay doesn't necessarily need to do that. This is someone who can manipulate energy. So every time your you went into the closet and started praying or your mom or your grandmother went to the closet with nothing but herself and started praying and that situation the situation changed up. Um witchcraft. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's nothing bad about that. <laughs> and bad. it's not and it's not and understand that I know sometimes when people are listening to this, but why don't why don't they don't be why why did it take so long to end slavery if people believe that? Why did why people ain't rich and getting a million dollars when they go into it's not about being all powerful. It's Come not on. about it's not about um it's you trying to tap into the energy. You don't have unlimited access to the energy. Because you don't own it. 
It's yeah. about you intentionally using your body, using the power of your tongue, using the power of whatever you got, whether it be the root, whether it be your body, your mouth, your words, your, your own personal spirit. It is about connecting into the energy and having faith that it, it, it can shift the circumstances, your metaphysical circumstances of your life. Understand that you're trying to shift it and intentionally doing something, whether it be praying, getting on your knees and and yeah. um, going in that closet, really doing these things. It's about believing that you can tap into that energy and change your circumstances. Facts, 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 facts. And that's it. Again, as you said, it's not about being all powerful. If we look at like the ancient ancestors, you know, you find this understanding of animism, for instance, which is a belief that that essentially spirit God source is in everything that's animate, period. And because of that, we respect the trees, we respect the water, we respect the people, we love everything because we recognize that source God energy, spirit, whatever, is in all of these things, right? And so, because of that, even they didn't even have to call it a separate name. <laughs> they didn't have to call it a different thing because it was how they live. And so it was a, a respect for all things. It was not about trying to conquer <laughs> and become supreme over nature and over other people. So the concept of why if you you psychic, why wouldn't you uh, pick the lotto numbers and everything? Right. Do you think the spirit is this petty and materialistic? Do you think that that's what life is supposed to be about? There's plenty of motherfuckers who have millions of dollars and fly out the window. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That type of stuff. And and there's even um a um a study. I can't I can't quote it. So Dom, don't get me with the scholarship. I'll provide the facts <laughs> later. But it spoke about happiness, and they did a a study on individuals who won the lottery. And if they were um, happy before they won the lottery, six months later, they would be happy uh, after, you know. If they were unhappy before they won the lottery, when they won it, they, were may, they may be happy. But after six months, they will return back to that same level of happiness. So the fact of the matter is the spirit is much more mature <laughs> than to be concerned with you trying to get get over and and win all the money at the lotto and everything like that. So and another element of that I want to kind of point out is that people who practice anything that's outside of traditional religion what they are exploring is how to hold, tap into that energy without being scared of it without without the fear of it they're trying to tap into that energy because what we saw back in the day and now what we saw is people would be fearful until they are in extreme situations when the doctors can't do enough when the when the medical the traditional medical people can't do enough then they want to go to the um holistic practitioner then yeah. they want to go to the root when, when the church couldn't do it let me go up the street and sneak and put my scarf over my, my head <laughs> over my head and sneak and go to the conjurer because they have a history of shit working with them we the the the, the community has demonized them and called them um witches and da 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 da, da. but when i need to 
really be fertile and have a baby and I, or, or I need to really save somebody that's about to die. I'm going to bring Hattie Mae. I'm going to bring old, old man, da, 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 to help my baby, to help my mother, to help my fertility. We, we, we would in shame. I'm going to go there in shame and in the cloak of night and blah, 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 but in dire situation. And sometimes it's so dire that I'm not going to do it in shame. I'm going to do it out in the open because I have no other options. That is coming. These extreme situations will force you to go in this direction. But what people, what I'm trying to express to you and what I'm what what I'm trying to say is people who are practitioners and people who are, and I'm talking about, I'm not just talking about one particular religion, but to yes. practitioner of things outside of the traditional religions, religions that we know, they're trying to tap into these things without being scared of them, without being fearful. And so that's what I'm inviting you to do. I'm inviting you to tap into the God inside of you, tap into yes. the, what you already have in you and tap into that source and practice it and sharpen that gift within you. That's without being fearful without it without you waiting to go into extremes without you waiting until you get what i'm saying it, it goes back to what you know the old church folks say you know uh have a praying spirit not just when you're in problems it's like yeah. hey how can you tap into that energy when you're not in need and practicing yeah. it all of it i'm i'm saying thank you to and being grateful to my ancestors even when good shit is happening not just like god this is bad let me get on my knees and pray about it no <laughs> i'm getting on my knees and praying about it every day because yeah. i'm in the spirit i'm in a praying spirit of gratitude and so practicing that don't be don't practicing it and not being scared and not just doing it when you're in fear or when you're um in an extreme situation facts facts and you will continue you will psych yourself out because you will continue to associate danger with those things you know so anybody come to you talking about it any experience or feeling you may have you hop right into um, a fear mindset, you know, scarcity principle thinking, you think it's the end time, <laughs> you know, and all into danger when it's like, no, but, but, you know, that's the number, that's the number that supremacy has played on the people. <laughs> and also, you know, this doesn't take away from the, the honey, the imperfection of a human and, <laughs> and the danger of bad humans. So when you go into these spaces and trying to learn from other people how to tap into these energies, understand that you're coming into a space with people who are flawed human beings. And so you cannot think you got to have a gift of discernment. Also, another um, <laughs> spiritual gift. You got to mm -hmm. have a gift of discernment and you, you got to go into spaces um, with caution and understand that, you know, these are flawed human beings. One of the videos that you have that I love when you when when you talk about you give like this list of things that um you need to be cognizant of when you're going into these space of spiritual leaders, like spiritual, spiritualists, and da-da-da. And so I I wrote down the list. So you say be conscious of their energy. Explain Ooh. that one. Because one, this is a spiritual space, right? You are healing your energy. You are working with energy. And so when you enter a connection with somebody, 
you are agreeing with their energy <laughs> for an exchange, right? And also within that being conscious of their energy, um, how do they make you feel? <laughs> Is their energy, um, once you leave them, do you feel drained? Do you feel like worse than you were when you got with them? You got to be mindful of that because the energy is going to tell you something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Their arrogance. Their arrogance. Oh, child. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> you will find that many people do religion hopping. So they leave the church because they was mad at the pastor for being this way. And you will run into a pastor um, who calls themselves Ianifa or Babalawo <laughs> or high priestess or whatever. And within that arrogance, it's a supremacy mindset. They don't want to be, you know, a leader is supposed to lead you, but a leader is maybe in front of you, but they're not on top of you. They go first. They went ahead of you so they can let you know, yo, the scene is safe. This is good. Look at this. But a leader should never, ever be trying to be on top of you. We learned that in kindergarten. The line leader's in front of you, not standing on your shoulders. <laughs> right. And so with that arrogance, you find that your practice will, will turn into a worship of this person. And they are the ones that's all-knowing. You know, they do everything, which is a red flag, because everybody, as you said, everybody <laughs> doesn't do everything. And they... You know, they act as though they're better than you. And that's not someone who's well. Right. Fear <laughs> gifts, like fear mongering within their gifts. Yeah. Everything that they talk about, you know, when the spirit gives them a message, it's always the end, like a harm or danger up front. It's like the spirit don't tell you nothing good that I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, spirit, Damn, spirit is mad. Is mad. <laughs> Yeah, because that's a means of control. If I can scare you <laughs> and pull you into, you know, in, into that space, one, if the only messages I'm channeling or I'm getting is frightening and fear-based, that is evidence of where my energy is at. Because anytime you're doing a reading with somebody or, or whatever, you're tapping into someone's energy, you're giving them messages, there should not just be, I mean, there can be correction, but there has to be some good in the midst of, because if that's the case, you know, they get ready to fall out and croak out the next, the next day. But be conscious of that. There's so many practitioners, so many people online who every time they say something, it's about nuclear warfare coming. Be prepared. Be scared. It's the end, end of the day. It's the end. And you said that's that's the church dog. That's the end time. We're in the last days. They're just under uh, uh, the name high priestess or high priest. <laughs> mm -hmm. Demand for allegiance. Ooh, mm. Yes. Demand for allegiance. Um, they will not allow you to work with anybody else to learn to be connected to anything separate from them. And they will convince you that, oh, you like, you know, you stepping out of the house, like you, that's a, a sense of, of disrespect to me. But that's control. That's what abusers do. Abusers isolate you <laughs> to where they are your only resource. 
Mm-hmm. And they will convince you that you have to rock and ride with them even when they are wrong. <laughs> right. Because, you know, you should love them. You should care about them. And we see that all the time. Like it's it, even in the spiritual spaces. Yes. But in the church, like you going over there, we saw you at the non-denominational church. What's going on with that? We saw you, you, you know, you went to sing at this church. That's disrespectful to me as the bishop <laughs> for you to right. go. And you're like, shouldn't I have a freedom to express and go and do what I please? <laughs> and they say, no, that's a problem. That is a problem. The best, the analogy that I love to explain to people is, it's like you being a sculptor and you, you're, you have your hands. Okay. Your hands do what your hands do because they're your hands. And when you're sitting in front of this pile of clay, you have your mind, you have your hands, you have your body, you have your own creativity. What the person is supposed to be doing because they have practiced sculpting in their own, you're coming to them because you see the beautiful things that they make. What they are sharing with you is pitfalls. What they're sharing with you is technique. What they're sharing with you is how they come about their creative practice and create what they do. Yes. They're just giving you a guidebook. They're giving you tools and techniques. Oh, every time you put this piece of pottery into the thing, it keeps cracking. Let me show you how I I I work my clay so it does not crack when I put it in the kilt. When I put right. it in the kennel, I'm teaching you how to do techniques my way. I'm not telling you that my way is the absolute because your creativity and your hands are different than mine. Your brain is different than mine and it could come out a beautiful your way. I'm just giving you what I learned so far be, to, to get you to where you want to be. But you have your own creative mind. You have your own. What you're going to make is what you're going to make. Right. And so if somebody is trying to say, this is the way, there is no other way for you to do it, that is a rag, red flag. It's a red flag because it's not true. It's but, not true. It's not even true in nature. <laughs> you no. Can't, you can't find plants that look the same, operate the same. You can't find, you can't find that. So there is not a one true way again. That language, that's supremacy creeping in. Uh-huh. It's the only way. <laughs> yes. It's that ego. It's arrogance. It's paranoia. It's I yeah. can't control you. I, I, If they're trying to be Geppetto in your yeah. life, then that that is a red flag. I am supposed to be guiding you. If your spirit is leading you to something else, I should be, oh, if I'm your, um, I call um, my spiritual leader, my ear. Um, but if I'm, if I'm, my ear don't be doing all that. She she was like, what is just what spirit telling you, baby? Like, I yeah. can tell you what my experience, but what is spirit telling you? Like, you, you know, tell me that's the first thing she's gonna ask me. What have you went to spirit? Have you, you know, have you have you went in your closet, honey? Yes. Have, you, have you done that? Like, what what is spirit telling you? Well, this, and then she's gonna say, Well, this is my experience in this situation. This is what I can do. Let me send you this. Let me send you this book. Let me send you um these herbs. Let me send you you know, she's gonna, she's gonna kind of lead me in that direction. It's never, never, never a situation where I feel like 
She is manipulating me in situations. There's nothing that I do that benefits her unless I, unless I do it. It's that you, I, we, we laugh, me and my Eli, we, we, um, we laugh because we be trying to give her money. We be trying to give her shit. And she'd be like, uh-uh, that's not, you know, that it, yeah. she, and you know, we literally got a, there's, I remember um, I went to see her uh, during Christmas. I literally had to leave it because she would not take it. <laughs> yeah. I literally was like, oh, I left it. Oh, da, 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 da. And she was like, I see you left that goddamn money. <laughs> and I did. Uh-huh. It's, it's never a kind of using. But I also know there is sometimes that money is involved. It, if we're doing, um, you know, we're doing some work that requires some animals. Them animals ain't free. So she got to go. You get what I'm saying? She got to go to the farmer. She got to go. Them herbs ain't free. So, yes. yes. It, but it's also not some crazy ass numbers. It's $10,000 to do this. It's 15000 to do this <laughs> ceremony. And, uh, baby, you, you, you got to be conscious of those things. And so, yes, you need to pay people for their gifts and pay people for um, what they do for you. But be conscious of those things. It's like they're supposed to be guiding you. They're not supposed to be fucking milking you. When it feels like they're milking you, child, get up out of there. Run. Facts. Yeah. <laughs> ain't nothing coming. Your life ain't changing. You and, you're in the midst of these people. And that's that's really something you pay attention to. You get in, in cahoots with these people and you max the energy and nothing is shifting. You've been dealing with them for two, three years and they still having problems. They still, you don't see, you don't see them kind of growing and you ain't growing. Baby, some energy ain't connecting. It's not connecting. <laughs> Period. Period. Yes. And I love to hear that um, about your EI because that is uh, a woman who's about the work, who's about the practice, you know, and understands the greater reasoning and the greater purpose of what the work is. You know, it should never rob you of your agency. Mm-hmm. Never. Never. It should never rob you of your agency. You should not feel like you are bound in those ways. Now, are there going to be instructions that come to say, listen, you know, we don't did the divination and we not supposed to do this for this month <laughs> or you need to avoid that or you need to be careful of this. You need to watch out for that. Absolutely. But you should never, ever feel like sheep. Never. <laughs> never. You should always retain your agency. So I had an interesting um de- uh, week. I had this this person that I'm trying to I'm trying to get the podcast funded. And I had this person um you know, I'm talking to a couple of people, just a couple of people trying to um help me get the podcast underwritten and blah blah blah. blah. And so one of the things is um I was talking to this lady and almost in the process of me talking to her, she was kind of shitting on me. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, well, you're not a real journalist. And I was like, well, look, I I take news and do it in a way that is aligned with my politics. I do it in a way that... um, I don't like to use the language of dumb it down, but make it more for a layman. I don't dumb it down because I don't think my audience is stupid, but 
I make it relatable and culture culturally relevant. So I'm going to use language. I'm going to use um, um, storytelling. I'm going to use um, so many elements to make it relatable to my constituents, my listeners. I'm going to do that part because some people don't live the life that I live. Some people don't have access to my community in the way that I have access to my community. So I have to I have to use the tools that I have to make it relatable to my listeners. And yeah. so the and some sometimes those elements are not aligned with traditional journalism. And so we have these crazy ass, you know, crazy ass moments. Um, of conversation, not rude. Me and this person, it wasn't rude. I wanted to make that very clear. But, um, you know, it just, she was shitting on my content in the sense of this is not the traditional way that we do it. And so I'm like, oh, girl, blah, 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 blah. So we have a a series of a couple of meetings. And then this last meeting it just confirmed in my brain, it was confirming that, oh, we just don't align. Like, that part. <laughs> like it's like, it's not, it's not that I'm not, you may think I'm not a journalist on your end, but what it is, is how you do yours is different than how I do mine. And mine is more aligned with my political politics and my activism. So there's a way that I have to do things that doesn't harm people. Yeah. And right. so um there was some situations where she was asking me um like almost testing me like saying how about my journalism like asking me questions like hey what what would you do in this situation? And then every time I would respond to her she was like I'll oh, see a journalist a journalist wouldn't do that. Oh no, girl. Yeah. <laughs> Not carrying on like that. Well, I think it's very interesting because you know, we, we, you know, we're the spiritual people, honey, we're, we're in the age of Aquarius. So mm-hmm. a lot of these traditional ways of doing things is just falling apart. And we live in such a non-traditional world <laughs> that um, as far as the, how the culture is shifting and evolving, that it's foolish to not have someone like Diamond <laughs> um, on a platform or or whatever space that that um, she was wanting you to be a part of is foolish because I mean even even when you think about um, I can't think of her name um, it was a collaboration that they did with a rapper um, it was like a politician did a collaboration with a rapper I um, can't. Cardi and Bernie Sanders. Cardi and Bernie Sanders, like that whole perspective of like, oh, my God, why would Bernie Sanders get Cardi B? That doesn't make sense. Like, you know, and of course, these racist undertones and <laughs> all of Massage that. Massage noir. Massage noir. You know. All mm-hmm. of that. And but in reality, that is a brilliant thing to do. <laughs> because simply, the- simply brilliant, not just fucking brilliant. And it says, oh, some really Super, super smart motherfucker can think about it. It's brilliant. In, it's such a simple form. If you're trying to get young people, you're trying to move people who who normally don't go to the polls, why not get somebody who is literally on the pulse of young people right now? Yes. 
Yes, that's that's the thing. And I, I think that um, she uh, uh, the lady that you were speaking to, um, you know, girl, you're very dated. You're late. OK, <laughs> you are late and it's going to it's going to fade away just like a lot of these other traditional systems are. And not to mention one of the things that I've always liked about you, Diamond, in particular is Diamond has scholarship. <laughs> okay, I, I, I want to be very clear. This is not somebody who is just, you know, I heard it through the grapevine, Google it. No, Diamond has scholarship. Diamond will get up and go right to the bookshelf and pull five <laughs> books. <laughs> that girl. <laughs> that girl with references as to what it is that she's talking about and supporting evidence. And so I just, I, I don't know. I, I think that, you know, that's how a lot of these systems are going to find themselves extinct because you don't want to evolve. <laughs> you don't want to evolve. You don't want to expand. You and, and anything that is just so rigid that you can't maneuver to be more effective is a problem. Let me give, mm-hmm. uh, let me give the a little grace though. So we, so she did. She gave me this little test question, and basically we didn't align. And but the bottom line is, I was in my response. I was like, mm, I wouldn't do that because I'm pr- like my ultimate goal is to protect community. Like it, it is to make sure that my community doesn't lose resources to make sure that my community doesn't um, be harmed in the process of what I'm doing. And so if I feel like what I'm doing is going to harm my community, then I'm going to have to adjust my strategy. I'm going to have to adjust my strategy until we get to the point. And she would basically say that that wasn't you. You want to just use your voice and um and the truth and use this the power of your journalism to push people forward. And I was like, sometimes that can harm because you're exposing something. And then once you expose something, um, it can take something away from community. Anyway, long story short, in the conversation, she she kind of, once again, shitted on me. But it was cool. It all went positive. But, but after, like a couple of days after, she came back to me and said, you know what? Because I, I sent her an email saying thank you for the time and blah, 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 blah. But after at this point in the email, I was thinking, maybe we just don't align. So I wasn't going to try to pursue her anymore because we just don't align. Maybe I'm not. You don't see the vision. You don't see da, 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 da. She came back and said, you know what? After I left, thank you. You know, I appreciate that. After I left, you gave me so much to think about. And I need to come back to you and apologize and admit that I was wrong. Mm. After listening to you and going home and chewing on it a little bit in my brain. Right. You actually right. Like you, you, you are the way of the future. Like you are the way of um, just humbly coming back and saying, you know, you actually, because of what you said, it made me realize we, uh, in your community, and not just yours, but mine too, the situation is so dire that we have to be very cognizant of the harms. We have to be very, very cognizant of what's going on in the world. And if what's the point in writing and journal doing this journalistic stuff if it's not to move people in a better direction? What's the point? And that should be. And she just went on to just, you know, just to be so, so, so affirming because this week for me had been really, 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 um, you know, kind of like 
gaslighting me. It's not just her, but it was a couple of things. And it felt like, I felt in my mind like, God, I have done so much. Now, mind you, I am not complaining about my life. My life is cool. I have had some beautiful acknowledgement from my community, beautiful things happening to me, beautiful opportunities. But the issue that I have had for the bulk of my career is because of my political alignment, because of my truth telling to truth to power um, and pushing back in the system, I have not gotten the fiscal opportunities that some other people have. Yes, mm-hmm. my community respects me. I do get opportunities, but when it comes to things paying me to the level I see it happening to people who coon in, to people who da 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 when <laughs> when I me seeing that shit, I just I just see them having more opportunities. And so for me, it has been a fiscal um, you know, I'm revered in a sense, but also not getting my just due. And so that has been an issue. And I was like, look, every time I try to come across some coins, there's always this energy that says, oh, you're not right for this. 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 And I'm like, what? Who else? Not on no arrogant shit, but I always center my community. So what the fuck is... And then everybody is telling me that, like, literally telling you the reason why you even found me is Mm -hmm. because the community (laughs) is telling you that I am right for this. So this just doesn't make sense. And so that that situation was so affirming because I had this week has been a heavy mental um, like I'm like, shit, what is fuck is happening? But that affirmed me. And then, you know. sometimes you got to stand on your morals and that's, that's a part of your integrity. Like, this is what you, this is what's going to happen. You're not going to always get in rooms and you got to be able to accept that. Yeah. That's what this week taught me. Come on, diamond. That's a whole nugget. Okay. That, that right there in cut. cut. (laughs) That's good though. Oh, Give me, give me, give me euphoria, more than peace of mind. It's the joy and space to change the tide. Give me, give me, give me euphoria, more than peace of mind. It's the joy and space to change the tide. Give me, give me, give me you a feeling and a high. You never In this week, in this month, in this time in your life, what is actually bringing you joy? What is actually bringing you euphoria? Oh, goodness. Um, so I have recently, um, honey, Shantae's finally got a man. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and... Uh, the relationship one i was not looking for one but this has appeared honey listen he's a a south african chef honey that speaks eight different languages okay listen listen deep chocolate deep my god (laughs) deep chocolate but also reciprocal and gentle and i mean i can't even imagine this man raising his voice at me <laughs> like so gentle so caring and um you know the the reciprocity um you know uh, what i do for him 
he does for me and then some without me having to ask, without me having to question and his transparency. This man will FaceTime me. I will ask a question and he'll immediately share his screen. <laughs> he will share his screen and go, look, this is my schedule. Here's my screen. Boom, boom, boom. Without me having to ask or inquire. And so I can say that presently is something that, you know, you know, I, I'm not going to say I was like, I'm never going to find, you know, you have them type of, you know, talk, thoughts or things like that, especially dealing with the men's out here now, uh, dear God, <laughs> <laughs> dear God. But um, being able to to have this experience and know that it is possible to be in partnership um, in relationship with someone who. Um, is that kind, that considerate, reciprocal, and transparent? That is for you right now. <laughs> oh, that is beautiful. I love that. Is inspiring. I'm I'm not getting no damn euphoria within my love life right now. So that is inspiring. <laughs> but I am getting euphoria in my, you know, relationships outside of my plato- my platonic relationships outside of romance. I am having some euphoria. I recently reconnected with one of my homegirls from college and, you know, we, we never fell out. We just disconnected because our life went in such different directions. Cause she's a cis woman and cis Christian woman. And, you know, you know, we, no kind of negative shit, but yeah. reconnected with her. And we just had this moment of like, God, you have always been somebody that the energy is always on point. Like we mesh it almost like we had not missed a beat. Like we just old spirits together talking about the past and easily reconnecting here in the present. And so, um, She has had two children, and they are gorgeous. And one of them, she named Diamond. And not after me. (laughs) Not after (laughs) me. But she did name them Diamond. So I was like, I'm going to... I know you didn't name them after me, but I'm just going to assume that I had some... (laughs) Just assume that it had something to do with my spirit. If I was an ugly-ass spirit and I was one of the Diamonds you knew, you wouldn't like the name. So yeah, That part. I love that. So we kiki and laugh about that. So her having joy in her life and her going on in her life and being um, being successful and being this powerhouse Black woman um, in the D.C. area, that knowing that her life went well when she was so important to my comfort while I was in college during a tumultuable time in my life, um, I wanted her to have the best and seeing that she did come across having the best, having a beautiful family, having beautiful children and career that brought me joy this week. So I love that. I just have to give you your credit diamond because I have been watching you for a very long time and I sort of came back to you. I don't know if you know how the algorithm do. And I don't know. Did you stop making content for a little while? They shut down my, um, they shut down my account for no reason and gave it back to me for no reason. Okay. Yeah. I was like, and when I saw you and I came back to your content, um, when you were with T.S. Madison, I'll say this, this is, I have forgot about her. I've been looking for her all this time. And so when I watch your stuff and I'll be looking at some of, 
I'm looking at some of the other people that that particularly of the trans experience that are highlighted. I'm like, y'all are trash. Where's Diamond? Bring Diamond to the forefront because you you are you know so much about culture. You are very diversified in the culture. And I'm telling you, I'll be like, uh-uh, at Diamond, this is it. They're like, who, we need a transfer. We need Diamond Styles, period. It has to be Diamond <laughs> Styles. And, you know, we love the children. You know, we love Laverne and we love, uh, you know, well, and then I have another question. But we love all the other children, you know, this leading the women, great. But where is Diamond Styles? Okay? <laughs> because she's going to be able to give it to you without getting caught up in like an emotional trap because you know how they get it and an emotional trap. She's going to give you the facts. <laughs> but when I watched that live, you were on, on TikTok, and the people was hateful. Diamond. <laughs> it was hateful. And diamond was like, okay, so let's just say I am a man. Let's just say that. Don't you think? And I am crazy. And I, and, and my mind is all this, that, and the third. Okay, sure. Don't you think that I should have access to healthcare in order to, <laughs> to get that? And everybody to get that like, fixed. Does <laughs> <laughs> that so crazy? Don't shook. you think I need the money to fix my craziness? So can yeah. we figure that out? Can't can we please figure that out? And I was like, that's that girl. She's that girl. And so I've always been like, Diamond needs to be, and I I, I feel in my spirit that, you know, and and I, I I'm not gonna speak to where. You know, you may feel as though you should be, but I'm going to say as a supporter of yours, Diamond needs to be on, on the platforms, on the TV. Y'all need to start bringing Diamond Styles on the Breakfast Club. Y'all need to start because she's going to give you the culture. Okay, y'all need to go ahead and put Flame on Row out in the outhouse. Police! Police! Please! And bring Diamond Styles, who, who can actually talk about culture nuances, who has the scholarship, but also has the relatability. And so that's why I have I have posted one of your videos. I said, oh no, I'm gonna make sure. Anything I see, I'm gonna screen record it, I'm gonna make content and post it to the copy to know Diamond Style. So, I love that. And when you had the whole thing with like the school and like the where you made the lawsuit, and I said, this is gonna be an iconic, like, y'all need to take this and put this into like songs and shit. When you were like, I know my rights. Honey. <laughs> he said, I know my rights. And I'm Honey. Right if I want to do it. At 17. At 17. <laughs> I said, Diamond is that girl. So I was just like, and then she's going to come and kill you with the fashion. I'm saying, Diamond is that girl. I don't understand, but I, I have faith that at least the level I want to see you at. Is is on its way. That's uh, why I have faith that I will take that in. That is so affirming, and I receive it. <laughs> yes, good, good, good. So, tell mm -hmm. the people where they can find you. Yeah, so I am literally everywhere on all platforms at Darcel Andre. Um, my business is the Inner Lighthouse. And you can find my website at uh, theinnerlighthouse.store. But everywhere else, y'all, I'm on social media. You know, y'all hit me up. <laughs> and I'll put that down in the bottom. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Darcel, for joining me. You are, anytime I see you in my comments, anytime I see you on my live, I just know, like, yeah, yes, I live, I live, <laughs> I, live I live, I live. And yeah. so 
thank you for taking the time to, you know, talk with my people and share your journey. And yeah, thank you for joining me on March's Play. No problem. Thank you. I'm honored. Hey, brother. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. Hey, sister. Hey, sibling.